Well, hello there. My name is Alexander. I'm just going to not beat around the bush this time and let you know that that's my name and that this is my show. I came here to party. Came here to party and rage. Lots of new awesome music came out this week. And it's just great. I'm just so excited. I'm so very excited. So yes, yes indeed. I don't know what platform you're listening to this on, but just so you're aware, I'm just about everywhere. iHeartRadio, Pandora, you know, Apple, uh, everywhere. YouTube, whatever you like. It's all on that link tree. If you click that link down below, link tree, it'll bring you everywhere real quick. But hey, you're amazing. And uh, guess what? There's just really great new music for me to show you. So uh, without further ado, uh, Of Mice and Men put out a new track that I love. Of course, Austin Carlisle is no longer in the band. Um, He said it's due to religious reasons. A lot of other people say it's due to other things. I'm not going to say anything because I don't know for sure. I really hope it's not the other things, because the things that I've heard are very bad. But uh, anyway, he's not in the band anymore. doesn't matter. Of Mice and Men, Obsolete. Here we go. This song is amazing. It's called Obsolete. put out some new stuff since Austin hasn't been in the band and I wasn't amazed by it but like that's probably one of my favorite choruses from Of Mice and Men ever that was that chorus is just unbelievable I uh it stuck in my head immediately after hearing it and I'm just extremely excited to hear that they are doing great things it's very wonderful because they are uh they're such a talented band and they've they've really paid their dues and you know, yeah. I hope this really takes them even further than they've already came. Of course, they've been a very long way. Of Mice and Men is a an extensive catalog of incredible material, and uh, yeah, so excited, so excited about this. Very, very good, very good stuff. Anyway, Death Cab for Cutie put out an amazing cover. They covered. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of TLC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the group from the uh, the, the all girl singing group from the uh, the late nineties, I believe. I don't want no scrub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, Death Cab covered Waterfalls, and it's just unbelievable. So here's a little snippet of Waterfalls. Fading and he doesn't know what we really 
song for a long time I just keep forgetting because like honestly I don't really know how to do the rap part without it being cheesy and weird I can't sing I can't rap that part like like, I can't like I mean I could rap it but I just like it's it's not meant for a white dude to do so it's like the rest of the singing you know that that can make sense you know I mean the content not really but I mean like the melodies and stuff but that's like very like it's got that swagger and it's like I feel like it's not that's that's not meant for me I think uh, like Ben Gibbard, Death Cab, I think they just skipped that part entirely, um, you know, and I don't really blame them, but I mean, the uh, melody and just the production. And I mean, I, I say I don't blame them not because it's a bad part, but because, again, like, it's not meant for us. <laughs> it's not meant for, for Jewish dudes. <laughs> it's meant for, it's meant for uh, you know, those ladies with the swagger. It's beautiful. It's a really good song, though. Uh, of course, Waterfalls by TLC. If you haven't heard the uh, original, go check that out. And uh, make sure you check out Death Cab for Cutie. If you haven't heard of them, they have so many amazing albums. I believe my favorite is Transatlanticism, but I mean, it's hard to say because they really do have so many other... I mean, the photo album is also amazing. Just uh, so much good music. Make sure you go check out Death Cab and TLC as soon as you are able to because they're just, you know, they're awesome. They're really great. Next up, AFI put out a new song. It's pretty good drags in a few parts but it's still a good song so let's check this out let me know what you think Yeah, they did a, a two-song single release through Rise Records. Um, there's a visualizer with this on YouTube, which I attached the link in the, in the description, which is just, uh, it looks really unbelievable. Um, so make sure to check that out. There's a great band, AFI. I mean, everybody by now I think knows who AFI is, at least, you know, in the, uh, when it comes to emo, metal, punk, any kind of fans in that genre or even rock. Um, in general, AFI, Fire Inside, I believe is what the uh, initials stand for. And uh, Davey Havoc has just been such a force through so many years. 
They've written so many good songs. I think they've dealt with a few lineup changes. I might be wrong about that. I might be mixing them up with somebody else. But um, they, through the years, have just done really well to stay relevant, even though it's like they were around in the when MTV was playing rock videos. I remember they had like their stuff on there in the uh, early thousands, maybe late nineties. I think that's a little early um, for AFI, but yeah. AFI is a great band. It's good to hear them coming back with new music. Um, it's a little slower than their older stuff, a little darker, but it's still, you know, uh, very good. I think I, I like that a lot better than their their last release, which was also still good. Uh, we had the fortune of opening for them on that tour, actually, in Connecticut, and that was, a, it was quite a good show. So they're still relevant. They're still doing their thing. And, uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, moving on. Lena Del Rey put out a new song, and uh, I enjoy it. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty good stuff, pretty cool video that went along with it. Um, the song's called Chemtrails Over the Country Club by Lena Del Rey. Wearing our jewels in the swimming pool Me and my sister just playing it cool Under the chemtrails over the country club Take out your turquoise and all of your jewels. Go to the market, the kids swimming pool. Baby, what's your sign? My moon's in Leo, my cancerous sun. You won't play, you're no So, I mean, I've come to enjoy her songwriting. Uh, not everything she puts out, I think, is 100% solid, but I think the song is really well produced. It sounds huge. Um, absolutely huge. And then the um, it's really simple, but there's just a lot of layers in the transients underneath the piano and such that just uh, really kind of blew me away, even just listening in my car, but listening in the studio monitors, it's actually whew, so much... Uh, more intense and uh, even even bigger. So, yeah, Lena Del Rey coming with some new stuff. That that song is uh, really good. Highly recommend. Um, other songs by her, if you haven't really delved into Lena Del Rey, that I personally enjoy. I like uh, Million Dollar Man. I think is just unbelievable. The production value on it's so interesting. It just reminds me of like the Great Gatsby or something like that. And it's just very uh, very good. Um, or Summertime Sadness, also a, you know, that's a, that's a hit, really good song, so if you want to delve in, but anyway, that song is called Chemtrails Over the Country Club by Lena Del Rey, very good song, and uh, next up, got another new single from the Foo Fighters, oh wait, I think the, uh, oh, nope, new album isn't out till February 5th, but yes, this is the third single off the Foo Fighters album, I've shared the other two, I thought Shame was better than the second one, and I think I like this one the best, out of all three, maybe, I'm not really sure, um, but regardless, very good song. I have to give it a lot more listens to know fully how I feel about it, but I know I love it, so it's really great. The song's called uh, Waiting on a War by Foo Fighters.
song is really incredible. Um, it really progresses. It doesn't stay. It doesn't stay static throughout. It's uh, really interesting the way this song progresses and where it ends up. I don't want to give it away. Um, but yeah, waiting on a war. Foo Fighters. The upcoming album is called Medicine at Midnight. Foo Fighters has just been. Nirvana was probably my first favorite band because, like, my mom gave me uh, Nirvana Unplugged in New York, 93, the cassette tape when I was three years old, and I just, like, I must have listened to it a million times. <laughs> it just, uh, it really kind of shaped what my musical identity became. And so Foo Fighters, obviously, with Dave Grohl having been the drummer of Nirvana, um, I followed them very closely for a very long time, and I just... It's so interesting to see them coming around with this new sound, and it's like also still relevant to the times and what's going on right now, but it's also still true to the Foo Fighters in general and what Dave's always done, and I just, I really, uh, I'm really loving what I'm hearing from this album. I can't wait to hear what else there is. Uh, it comes out in two weeks. So excited. I'm sure I'll be talking about it on uh, that week's episode. So much fun to follow bands like this that just progress so much over so many years. And of course, like Foo Fighters is, is again, an, another band that I don't love everything they put out. Uh, Nirvana, again, don't love everything they put out, but still uh, two of my favorite bands. Nirvana probably more so, uh, but still Foo... A lot of people like to say they don't like Nirvana. Um, this does not make sense to me. They... Like, you can, I understand if you don't like grunge music, rock music, if you don't like that sound, I get it. But if you do appreciate, like, any sort of alternative or rock or grunge music and you can't appreciate what Kurt did, I just, I, I don't understand you. It's okay to be that way and feel that way and you can feel however you'd like. But I just don't, I, um, the influence that came from, uh, it's, it's also, without being a songwriter, I suppose it is very easy to kind of simplify in your mind what Kurt's doing as opposed to what he's really doing. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, he just threw random words together and doesn't really, it's like, there's a very dark poetic atmosphere to just about everything he did while also maintaining the whole youth rebel attitude that kids really just can't help but have being who, <laughs> you know, who we all either were or are. And uh, it really spoke to everyone at the time, and that's why they were the biggest band. They were the biggest musical act in the world <laughs> in, like, 92, I believe. Uh, they got offered $10 million to headline Lollapalooza, and, I mean, that's 30 years ago, so... $10 million was a lot more back then than it is right now in uh, U.S. currency. So it really just, it goes to show you just, um, they were really at the pinnacle. And I feel like Kurt dying really marked a shift in where popular music was headed. And it's, um, who knows? A lot of people like to speculate that Kurt's death was planned um, and that, of course, he didn't commit suicide. And, I mean, having watched Soaked in Bleach, it's kind of hard to believe that he did based on the amount of heroin in his system and the angle that he was shot. It just... It's uh, the forensics experts 
that were speaking in Soaked in Bleach really just present the most <laughs> undeniable case that there's no way this man killed himself. So it's hard to say whether it was planned, and I'm not going to speculate one way or the other, but at the same time, it's there's no doubt that his death was exploited in a way to shift where people's interests were in music and maybe even uh, turn the knife in creating a loss of faith from youth in general toward the genre because, of course, what kids like is so fragile. There's such a fragility to it, and it's just so easy to shift um, modern and common consciousness of the youth if you have such a strong platform such as you know, the highest echelons of the entertainment industry, as Nirvana did, and as, you know, the different genres that took over the mainstream did that came after. And I'm not saying that only one genre should be the king of the mainstream. I actually, I, I despise that it, it is that way, that one or two genres, like, oh, oh, well, right now it's country and hip-hop, and oh, EDM's like, you know, always over here making people a lot of money, and there's nothing wrong. Everybody should be able to be successful and do their thing. Um, I just wish there was more encouragement for people to be themselves as opposed to follow a niche because the bands that are timeless and that pop out of nowhere and doesn't matter when they came out, they would have been famous because of their talent and their care and their love for what they do, um, those bands don't emerge from people that follow niches. And those bands don't emerge from people who follow encouragement to follow niches. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with following a niche. I'm not trying to bash anyone who's doing that. I'm just saying that you have one, you put yourself in a box, and now you have a lower ceiling than if you weren't stuck inside that box. And um, I don't know, maybe some people feel I box myself in in certain ways with my music, but I personally would love to have that conversation because I, I don't. <laughs> I do whatever I want, and it's it's uh, it's you know been a long process, and it took it was a lot of trial and error, and a lot of not having it go well at all for a decade, maybe a decade and a half, and uh, now it seems to finally be turning around to where people appreciate what I'm doing. So it's you know I mean you know on a, a larger scale. So um, you know if any of you out there listening are one of those people, I I love you a great deal. <laughs> Thank you so much. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, I could talk about Nirvana and Foo Fighters for hours. <laughs> but we got a, a new track from a rapper I've not heard of, D Chambers. Does not have, he's only got almost 6,000 subscribers, so barely any. Um, and he, uh, he's got a song featuring Method Man, and it's really good. Method Man's verse is amazing, so I'm just going to show you Method Man's verse. If you want to go check out D Chambers, go, go do that. But uh, yeah. Um, Unbelievable. This, this track's really cool. Hey yo, I'm so humble, but on the humble. I speak for the jungle, too well spoken to mumble. Son you, I sell you a bundle and take it from you. One you, these rappers are sugar, water, and bum juice. Y'all salute when I come through like five star. General, I can finish you in five bars. Worth the big baby Jesus, I get him line for. That'll leave him holy as matrimony in my God. Staten Allen and Coney Island, that's two squads. Something like this track or like cook crack, that's too hard. Meth, I'm too fresh, smell like a new car. Love Wu-Tang, my favorite member. Yeah, if you want to hear the rest of that verse, which is amazing, and uh, also D Chambers, who's incredible, uh, go check out this track. 
very good. Uh, D, D Chambers, just the, the letter D and then Chambers, like C-H-A-M-B-E-R-Z. Uh, song's called Rap with a Legend, and it's also obviously a, you know, that's about Method Man being the legend, who's, oh, he's a legend. That guy, I love Wu-Tang Clan so much. Easily uh, one of my favorite rap groups, if not, I don't, I can't think of who I like better than Wu-Tang. Killer Bees! They're amazing. Yeah, anyway. Uh, yes, D Chambers, Method Man, um, Rap of the Legend. Definitely go check this song out. Very cool. Very, very cool. Came out just a few days ago. This next song, um, the Vera Union are a good band. They're good. They got incredible, incredible vocalists. Um, the songwriting hasn't always sold me, but they did a song with this group called Two Shadows, who I'm actually not familiar with. And uh, the acoustic version is just... Incredible, huge production, great harmonies, um, great, incredible vocals, great production on the guitar. Just in general, it sounds amazing, so I had to show it to you. Uh, so this is Beer Union and Two Shadows, Scratching at the Surface Acoustic. Your my melodies, the chord progression. I love that just dreamy, like, oh, I love those chords. I, I use them in my own songs and my solo material <laughs> probably too often. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. Who knows? Is there is there any such thing when it comes to good music and making it and, uh, you know, switching things up enough? <laughs> Who knows? Nah, don't stick to a formula. Do what feels right. Pick up that instrument. Make sure you're being productive, you know, at the very least, just keep trying. You don't have to write a good song every time you go to write a song. Like, people are like, oh, writer's block. That's just when you're like, you're not letting yourself be satisfied with whatever, you know, crap you needed to come up with in order to get to the good stuff. Like, uh, I don't know, you just, you want to sell yourself and don't worry about what anybody else is thinking and eventually you're going to crank something out that's going to resonate if you do it for long enough and you devote yourself to really caring about songwriting and doing the thing because it's, it's the hardest job in the world for a reason. Anyway, metric now or never now. Well, it might not be the hardest job in the world. <laughs> I mean, we talk about, you know, people who deal with death in their, in their workplace. That's a, that's a difficult job. Um, it also requires a certain type of person, though, so, I mean, you kind of wonder, how difficult is it? Because, like, those people know what they're getting themselves into, whereas with this, you don't. You, you can't possibly know what you're in for with the sacrifices and everything that you have to deal with trying to create a music career until you try. And with just about every other profession, you, can, you can't talk to another musician and have them give you any sort of protection or, like, oh... Be ready for this. It all happens to everyone differently. But in every other profession, it's like 
you deal with trauma, but you you know what you're going to deal with. And if you're prepared for it and you're that type of person that can handle it, you stay. And if you're not, then you don't. But with music, like, you don't have a choice and you don't know what you're getting into. If you really want it bad enough to be crazy enough to do that, to, like, sacrifice what you need to in order to make it work, it just, um, yeah. So to me, I, I really do it might be the hardest job in the world just based on what the expectations that can't be managed um, but I could be wrong I don't know I, I'm open minded to anybody else's opinion regardless this song is called Now or Never Now it's the Dirt Road version this is how it's listed by Metric uh, came out a few days ago I love Metric really great and the song is awesome so take a listen that's who I am good example of you know some of their slower more emotional stuff and um, yeah they're just an incredible group they've been around for quite a while I believe and yes the song's awesome came out when did it come out just a few days ago um, January 16th no January 8th no. I can read I, I sometimes know how to read but other times I don't you know when it's important I don't know how to read I'm so nervous. Are you nervous? I'm just kidding. I'm not nervous. I hope you're not nervous. That'd be weird. I'm not even there with you, but it just sounds like I am. But hey, I'm, I'm there in spirit, and I'm in your hearts. Just, <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. But yeah, I, I said it, so it's, it's there. It's there forever. I'm not going to edit it out because I'm, I'm brave. <laughs> Hoorah! Anyway, without further ado, I set my friends on fire, put out a, Ju- a Juice World cover in uh, tribute to, of course, the late Juice World. And um, he is, uh, they, they did a great job with it. Sounds awesome. I really enjoy it. So without further ado, check this out. Some Juice World cover right there. Sounds lovely. I set my friends on fire doing their thing. Very cool and interesting to see them doing a cover. Um, 
or a tribute, you know, to be more specific. But this sounds really awesome. I enjoy it. I listened to it a few times yesterday and today, and uh, yeah, it's a nice little jam, good production. Voice sounds cool. It's got like that that old school uh, pronunciation and like lisp for that. Um, I can never remember his name, but they're awesome. I've seen them live, and I've I've uh, met them a few times. I think at Fet Music Hall, and they were doing their thing, and uh, Bungalow, and yeah, three oh six five. I think they played there too. Good times, cool band, fun times. I set my friends on fire. They got some good stuff. You should check out that song, "Beauty of the Beer Holder." Beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. It's good, good, uh, good song. Anyway. Uh, historical shout out this week because that's all we got for the new stuff that wraps that up historical shout out goes to Jimi Hendrix you need to check out Jimi Hendrix Um, obviously you know who Jimi Hendrix is he's one of the most influential guitar players of all time Uh, died tragically at 27 of course Um, a lot of speculation as to whether or not had to do with his crazy manager who was you know tied to the mafia and stuff but anyway uh, that's another thing to look into regardless if uh you know that kind of history interests you um but my favorite Jimi hendrix song is little wing i found this live version of it it sounds really cool with this uh he's just absolutely just slaying these riffs so um i figured i'd play a little snippet from that here we go Super interesting way of playing the guitar. His style is just unbeatable. Uh, to this day, I don't think anybody can really match what he was able to do. Even at such a young age, it's just so ridiculous uh, to consider just maybe where he might have been had he not um, died so tragically. So very sad, but feel blessed to know who he is, to be able to listen to his music still. And uh, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, R.I.P. Historical shout out. I don't want to just sit here and read through Wikipedia facts on people when it comes to those historical shout outs. I more just want to like make you aware. And if you know you're interested in that person, go check them out. There's any plethora of information or music available from a lot of these people. You know, outside maybe <laughs> uh, Sister Rosetta Thorpe or uh, you know uh, Robert Johnson because they were. That's like the 10s and the 20s. I don't think they got anything on Spotify, but hey, I'll have to double check. I might be wrong about that. I'm sure there's medleys and things inspired by them, though. Uh, anyway, for news, there's not a lot of news um, very much at all that I found interesting. I do not want to talk about the state of politics really at all or mention anybody's stupid political names on here just because, like, 
drives me crazy. Uh, partisanship is such a waste of anyone's time and worrying about what side does what, such a waste of time. The only thing that's not a waste of time is figuring out what needs to be fixed for everyone to live comfortably. That's it. Your partisanship is so irrelevant. You know, so are most of our opinions. My opinion's irrelevant to anyone but me. So it's like, I don't know. Facebook and Twitter make people feel like they have power and then they feel like they need to have an opinion because I can share it for the masses. Nobody really cares. Everybody's just, they feel like they have to contribute it as if anybody's going to read their opinion, but all anybody's doing is putting their own opinion out there. And the only people that are getting, you know, picked up in traction are the people who are kind of just pan maybe pandering or catering to one side just to such an extent that it's like, and I feel like if you need to use partisanship to gain traction, then it's ridiculous. Some people are obviously making very wholehearted, genuine statements that need to be said, you know, about police reform. Not many people are talking about prison reform, though. And to be honest with you, I don't see how police reform would work without prison reform. Uh, not to mention, the police are, like, unless we're talking about a case where somebody is killed by a police officer, which is a lot more rare than people are led to believe. Um, the fact is they deal with the police officer for a short period of time, and then if they are incarcerated, they're dealing with the prison system for a much longer period of time, and the experiences there are what shape the society that, um, that well, what they're able to contribute to society afterward, which in most cases is just they went through criminal school and are now full-fledged criminals who will end up back in jail 70% of the time. So it's, uh, without prison reform, I don't really even see, uh, like, you know, police reform, they, they are that way because the prisons are filled with minorities, a lot of them unjustly incarcerated. So if we don't fix that, then it's just, it, does, it doesn't make it, any harder for the police to harass minorities on the basis that they are doing it because the prison system is supporting it like, yeah, we want all these minorities in here for no reason from low-income communities for your safety, but it's not really for your safety. It's for the corporate interests in prisons because it's privately owned by a corporation. If you don't know that, you're, you're in the dark on this entire subject. Um, most people do know that. That's a very common knowledge now. But it's, it's sickening to think about, and there's no real human rights. And once a lot of these people are not actually rightfully incarcerated, and there was just such a long assumption in this country that, oh, well, if you're in jail, you probably belong there. That is a despicable assumption that completely undermines the system that we are supposed to be using to determine if we should destroy somebody's life. So, yeah, prison reform. It's really, really important. And uh, organizations like the Innocent, Innocence Project, extremely important for the work that they're doing, um, saving people and uh, giving them free lawyers to work on their cases and make sure that they're actually, um, you know, let out when they've, some of them have been on death row for 20 years for something they didn't do with the proof not even being that solid. <laughs> and the lawyers go back in there and they're like, uh, 
how did you end up in jail, let alone death row? It's just uh, really sickening. So prison reform. Anyway, um, news, Save Our Stages Act is uh, going to be fully operational. Um, oh, no, no, no. So, yeah, so they're going to be, there's a $15 billion stimulus going to stages and uh, venues locally. The businesses that fall under the categories that will be eligible for this stimulus. I wanted to present that. I have a billboard article that is actually explaining this. Um, They will need to have been fully operational as of February 29th and planning to continue operations in the future from that date. As long as those were your plans as a venue, which is pretty much every venue that I know personally, um, you will be eligible for the grant. The entities must be able to show at least 25% gross revenue loss in any one calendar quarter of 2020 compared with the same calendar quarter of 2019. I can't imagine that being an issue for anybody. (laughs) You know, that was operational in 2019. So um, sounds like this is going to be saving a great deal of our venues locally, and I'm extremely excited. I did, uh, I shared the Save Our Stages um, petition and signed it um, beforehand, and I'm very, very excited to see that it went somewhere. This is unbelievable. So really good news. And uh, I wanted to, I like this website, This Day in the Music. Really cool. So I'm, I'm filming this on uh, January 17th. So on January 17th in 1963, the Beatles played at the Cavern Club at lunchtime and in the evening played at the Majestic Ballroom, Birkenhead. At the Majestic, every ticket had been sold in advance, leaving 500 disappointed fans waiting outside. That's not that interesting. Okay, I'm going to try and skim this and see if we can find things that are a little better. Oh, Rolling Stones released their first EP on this day in 1964. That's wild. That is wild. The Monkees. NBC bought the Monkees series, placing it on their 1966 autumn schedule uh, in 1966 on this day, January 17th. Wild. I know my mom loved that show. I don't, I don't, I've never actually watched it, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's great. Wonderful. 1967, David Mason uh, recorded the piccolo trumpet solo for the Beatles, Penny Lane at Abbey Road Studios. So this is just pretty much all Beatles stuff, apparently. 1967, John Lennon, Daily Mail, ran the story about a local council survey finding 4,000 holes in the road in Lancashire, inspiring John Lennon's contribution to the Beatles' song, A Day in the Life. So that's what he's talking about. 4,000 holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. Yeah, wonderful. 1967, Jimi Hendrix Experience recorded a session for Radio Luxembourg's Ready Steady Radio. The band ran up a bar bill of two and a half shillings, $6.21, which they were unable to pay. Oh, man. Could you imagine being Jimi Hendrix? (laughs) And you just don't know what's about to hit you. Like, you don't know what's about to happen. You're about to become super famous. And you can't spend $6 at the bar. That's, That's wild. So insane. Anyway. 1970, The Doors played the first of four shows at the Felt Forum in New York City. Shows were recorded for the band's forthcoming Absolutely Live album. Anyway, don't want to hang up on this too long. You can go to thisdayinthemusic.com, take a look at January 17th to see some of the other things that did happen, some of the people that were born today um, on January 17th and other years. So in other years, we had who... Nobody really that crazy. Huh, 1971, Kid Rock. He was born January 17th. Happy birthday, Kid Rock. (laughs) 
I think that's all I've heard of here. Oh, and Calvin Harris. I've heard of him. I haven't really listened to much of his stuff. I'm sure he's a wonderful singer. I'm sure he's wonderful. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Yeah, when Kermit the Frog decides to cover Christina Aguilera. This is what goes down. That's what it sounds like. It's pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous. So ridiculous. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to stop saying ridiculous, and I'm going to get on to industry commentary. I know it's a shorter show than usual this week, but, uh, you know, not too much happened. Had a bunch of cool new music to show you, and that was about it. So um, industry commentary. I feel that, um, well, so people are always like, I got to get signed. I got to go be on a label and tour the world and do these things. And it's like everybody has so many different goals with music. And for me, I always wanted to tour internationally and just play arenas. And that's still my dream. That's what I want to do. So for me, like the only way to get there to that level is to work with labels and different people because you see people get famous on YouTube and you see people maybe make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on YouTube. But these people are not headlining major festivals. These people are not selling out arenas. Um, I've seen them come through with millions of views and really <laughs> bring maybe 50 people. It just doesn't, it doesn't translate to a live event because you're dealing with streaming and streaming doesn't necessarily motivate people to leave their house because they can see nine times out of 10, a lot of the YouTube sensations are really just doing what you're going to watch on YouTube at the show. And it's just not really that much more impressive to see it live. Whereas music is a whole different thing because you have like a produced album and then you have your live production and they're two completely different things and everybody knows that. So we're, music just has a whole different gateway um, than you know when you're, when you're working from the traditional standpoint than it does through YouTube when it comes to playing for people live. That said, not everyone wants to perform live, and that's totally, totally fine. You don't have to. These days, you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year off your music without touring or performing live. But the downside of that is if you do eventually want to tour and perform live, you still are going to have to build... Um, you know, unless you're like shadow of intent and you're coming out the gate with, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans on the internet and then you can go and tour with big names and then have a headliner and build off that. That's just, they are one in a hundred thousand bands probably to that tries like, and I'm just talking about serious bands that like, will really want to do something maybe that don't sound great, but you know, when you think of the whole category in general, I, Shadow of Intent sounds amazing, but uh, regardless, like, I mean, they deserve every piece of success they get, but um, the, you can't rely on that because there's such a number of variables involved with going viral on the internet that it's like the talent is just one of those variables. So when it comes down to it, to me, once you know COVID's over, touring is like the best thing that you can do and to get to a point where touring makes sense, you need to get your band tight. It doesn't even make sense to play live until your band's tight, but I totally understand needing to get that experience. So locally, you want to go around and play some shows, but you don't want to do it before you sound okay, at least decent, because you're going to wreck your reputation for the future when you don't sound bad if you continue practicing on a regular basis. Once you have that 
local following and you've played those local shows and you feel confident with your set, um, touring and just touring is really just starts out with weekenders. Weekenders are they're as simple as contacting a band from an area you'd like to play and saying, hey, would you mind helping us set up a show in your area and we'll set one up for you and ours? Half the time, they don't even take you up on the favor. And I mean, when they do, you have a good time. It's awesome. And uh, you also want to be close with the venues in your area. So it really starts with getting close to everyone in your area, going to shows in your area, getting a good lineup of people in your area, building off of that. And it's just, there's so many variables involved. It's ridiculous. But then you got to consider, you got to talk to your bandmates. You got to sit down and be like, where do we want to go with this? Do we want to tour internationally, hopefully, eventually, and play arenas, hopefully, eventually? Do we want to do that? Or would we rather just make a living? Or is this just a hobby? Is this just something fun? Everybody thinks of it differently, and they never really state what they feel when they come into the band when it comes to their goals, because they assume everybody else's goals are the same as theirs. So then once you start doing things that work toward your goals that they didn't understand that you had, you run into problems. That's what I've had happen with Fathom Farewell a thousand times. So now anytime I have anyone coming into the band, I'm like, I want a tour. I want to get signed and be able to have the connections that we need to be able to play major festivals and tour with massive nationals eventually. And, you know, finding a lineup of people that want to do that, really? That sounds so great when you say it. It sounds so great when you say it until people realize, oh, I might have to, you know, take off for a few months at a time. And it's really easy to say that you can do it until it starts to come closer and you're like, wait, but I have all these things going on here and now I have to, it doesn't, it doesn't care. It do, your career doesn't work around that. And it's like when it comes down to building it, you really need to open yourself up to being able to let things around you go. That doesn't mean relationships, um, but it does mean, you know, a traditional job is very hard to maintain if you want to do this for a living. You can't do both. This is a full-time job. You can totally have a relationship and you can totally have a family and you can totally, like, have a home, but at the same time, uh, it requires a great deal of work and constraint and control and uh, of your priorities in order to make it work. And for some people, it's really fun and enjoyable. And for other people, it's just stressful. So when it comes down to it, if that and juggling all of these different variables is fun for you because you just love the music so much that you can't help it, building your acts to a point where a label will want to look at you makes sense unless you already have access to a few million dollars. Because, I mean, that's pretty much what a label eventually will do. Not at first. At first, they're going to only put whatever the minimum amount they can put into you to see if you are going to do anything. Then if you do stuff, they start to be like, ah, okay, this could, this could be a beneficial mutual relationship for us. And then they start to invest more and then more and more. And eventually you can build up to a point where you're Avenged Sevenfold and you have, you know, $10 million contracts and stuff like that. You never, like, it's, um, it's completely different. There's so many different variables involved with music and everybody likes to pigeonhole it into one thing of, yeah, we're good. Maybe we could make it. And then they don't really wrap their head around the fact that making it isn't you never really make it but like getting to a point where you're comfortable in having a music career is a lifestyle 
It's not just like a, oh, I did it, and now I get to go back to being normal. Like, no, you got to be perfectly okay with not being normal, or it doesn't work. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. It means the world. Um, charity of the week is the Ocean Cleanup. Excellent technology. They've picked up maybe hundreds of thousands to millions of pounds of plastic from the ocean with this new technology that a 16-year-old came up with. Um, it's unbelievable. It's like a conveyor belt that brings, it's able to scrub the floor, uh, like, and just kind of catch all of the plastic, and it brings it up this conveyor belt, and they're able to just recycle it and throw it away, and unbelievable. Ocean cleanup. Check out the ocean cleanup. Donate to them if you got a few extra bucks. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week for episode seven. This is episode six, Alexander, the podcast. Tuning out, or signing off, or I don't know. Spaghetti!